0: Kiddos, welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast about fictional father figures and real life dads with real feelings. I'm your host, Merritt, and joining me this week is comedian and writer for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, Josh Gondelman, who you may remember from an appearance on Woodland Secrets. God, it must have been, I think maybe it was a couple of years ago at this point. Yeah, it might be two years. It was a minute ago. Well, thanks for, for coming on. And we are talking about a very special TV dad this week. Uh, we are talking about Bob Belcher. Yes. The titular
1: character of Bob's Burgers. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the show and I, I like him as a dad. <laughs> so what in particular made
0: you want to talk about Bob Belcher
1: on the show? So... Bob's Burgers has been like my go to comfort television for a while, but like specifically the last calendar year. Mm-hmm. It just is like the sweetest, most gentle show while still being like really funny and weird. Like it's not, it's not dumb and predictable, but it is like very kind hearted, I think, at the center of it. And it's it's really funny. It's like super well written. All the voice performances are really great. But I mean like and like um I mean obviously like John Benjamin as Bob is like an outs- he's an outstanding voice actor. And so I it's just been a show that I've been watching. It's like one of the most con- the shows I watch most consistently new episodes of. I haven't gone back in a while um to like rewatch old ones, but when my wife and I started dating, which I guess was like almost four years ago now, one of the first things we did together as like a sitting around not doing much activity was we went through all of the old episodes basically that we that we had missed and And I had seen more than she had at that time. Um, So I rewatched some and we watched, you know, she watched a lot for the first time. And so I have like a very high level of sentimental attachment to the show. In addition to it just being like, I think, very good.
0: Yeah, um, I totally agree. Like, it feels to me like a very warm show. uh, which, Which kind of makes it stand out in like the sort of like late 2000s trends of uh of cartoon sitcoms even the simpsons i would say you know we've talked about homer simpson on this show before and Mm -hmm. early on in that show and sometimes in later seasons it it does sort of strive for this warm tone but um it it just sort of became wacky antics and then at its core homer is like a terrible person and like physically abuses his kids and that sort of just oh, yeah. became normalized and and like we sort of just accepted that as as funny for the most part um there's nothing like that in this show it's very different from like a family guy which is it's interesting because i was reading um reviews of the early season like the the first couple of seasons especially season one and it was getting reviews that were saying that It was pointlessly vulgar and derivatively dull. Um, Someone else said that it was unwise to launch another show that appears intent to ape the vulgarity quotient of Family Guy. Um, And to me, those things like from what I've seen of the show are, are completely off base. But I guess it did have kind of a rocky first season. But they got to this place where. It's a it's a very weird show. Like there are a lot of just like bizarre antics happening, and all of the characters are very much like characters, but mm. they're not going for that kind of really like gross or ra- like quote random like Family Guy humor. Um, yeah, which I really love, and I think a big part of that is that the character of bob in contrast to like your peter griffin's and your your homer simpsons and kind of uh i guess i would say he's closest to hank hill in that he is the straight man of the show
1: yeah yeah i would say hank hill is like a good parallel it like it regionally it feels different but like he has the same kind of thing about like he really enjoys his job mm-hmm. and he really likes his family and he's, even though he's, like, exasperated by them at times, it's not like Family Guy where he is making choices to, like, recklessly disregard the well-being of his family or, like, The Simpsons where there's just, like, casual, intense choking of his children.
0: <laughs> right. And, like, so the show has been seen as kind of a spiritual successor to to King of the Hill. Uh, the executive producer, Jim Doderiv, who worked on that, that show um, is also the executive producer of Bob's Burgers. And one major difference though, I would say is that Hank Hill is, um, there's kind of an investment in normalcy that the character has. He's written as sort of wanting a very normal, quiet life where he hangs out with his friends. He has this wife that he loves. He has this son and he sometimes seems to wish that his son was kind of less different and less weird and Mm -hmm. that i would say is a a difference in the way that bob is written because he is kind of exasperated at just sort of the antics going on around him because he is the straight man but like he isn't dismissive or like you don't see him grumbling about his kids being weird very much when he is grumbling it's often just because they're being like they're just irritating him with like loud repetitive noises but like all of his kids are huge weirdos and he's basically just written as being into that.
1: That, Yeah, I think he's, that's like one of my favorite things about him as a dad on the show, for real, is that he is like super accepting of who his kids are, even though they have sometimes individual behaviors that frustrate him. Like there there are times that Tina is like too invested in uh, in like butts and Bob (laughs) is like a little weird. And I, you know, like there are things that, that Tina will do or that Gene specifically will do, but like they, he also is really supportive of their eccentricities. Like Gene mounted that Die Hard musical and, and Louise never takes off her hat. And like, those are things that he's, supportive of, like, they, you know, like, other people try to get Louise to take off her ears, and Bob doesn't. And and that's just, like, part of who this weird little kid is. And, uh, and I think that's, like, so sweet. But I also think, too, like, I wonder if Hank Hill in 2017 versus, like, mm. 2002 would have moved a little towards where Bob is now.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting if that show were being written now or like or what the creators of that show would think of that character now like yeah would he be written in a way where he was a little more just like sort of laissez-faire and wouldn't care as much like because that that is like one of the sources of humor in that show is that he is very kind of traditional um Mm -hmm. even though that that is shaken up a little bit later on um there's a really great episode where he talks where he's sort of confronted by these like real country folks and, uh, and is placed in this role of being, like, a, a city guy, which he sort of rubs up against.
1: That's so funny.
0: It's, it's such a great one. Um, but Bob is much more just like, like, that isn't really where the humor comes from. It's not like this friction between no, him and his totally. kids and he has to understand them. The humor often comes from the lengths that he goes for his kids. Like, yeah. one of my favorite episodes is uh, The Equestronauts, mm-hmm. where basically, um, for people who haven't seen it, uh bob has to go undercover in basically what is like a brony group yeah totally
1: uh that episode is so great
0: <laughs> it's so great and it also has like incredible like paul f tompkins and ron funches and ron are funches. in that episode yeah uh and kurt, kurt braunohler um and basically yeah so like tina has this uh this uh quest uh doll and um it gets stolen and and so bob has to join this group called the equesticals who are it's adult so male funny. fans of the series who call themselves that because they have testicles um and uh like the whole con is just made up of these people and tina feels really out of place and um and basically bob has to infiltrate them to get the doll back um because it turns out that it's really rare it has a rare camel toe to eat that. <laughs> and uh he has to watch every episode of the show to blend in he has to like have like a complete knowledge of trivia um has to dress up as as a uh uh, an equestical named bob cephala and then they sort of find out and um try to like tattoo him uh it's so
1: funny and he like (laughs) runs away with the horse right like at the end he like has to like physically escape this this James Bond style back room mm-hmm. that they have him trapped in. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Um. It's so good, <laughs> and yeah, and Paul Paul of Tompkins and Funches are so funny, and like the the guest voices on the show are so great too. And uh, my wife Maris and I are always like we always try to guess before mm-hmm. the credits who's who, um, and it's like so many people that I in the comedy world that like I know or I've met and like whose work I like. It's, it seems like there's never anybody or rarely that I'm not like, oh, that's like one of my favorite comedy people. Like, and, and even the, the principal characters of like John Benjamin and Kristen Shaw and uh, Eugene Merman um, and Dan Mintz are all like so funny. Yeah, And John Roberts. Yeah. Who I, whose work I know less outside mm-hmm. of the show.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Um Dan Mintz, I didn't know this until I was like doing research for the show, but the original pilot um or like the proof of concept uh, Tina's character was a boy named Daniel and uh oh, and Dan Mintz was uh, was voicing him and then they uh, they changed the character to Tina.
1: That's so funny. It's, and Tina's such a great character. I feel like She's so of good. all the people in Bob's Burgers, of all the characters, Tina is the one that I most see people like relating to.
0: Yeah, I feel like Tina is in many ways the breakout character of that show. I mean, there's that Twitter account that just sort of posts like yeah, reused jokes or stolen jokes or whatever. But it's I think it's just called Tina or Tina Thoughts or something. But it has like an obscene amount of followers. And like that character is really just kind of like almost the
1: Bart Simpson of the show. Yeah. Um, Like a super weird, horny teenage (laughs) girl. That's like, um, I don't know what it is. That's, it's just like, there's something about her that it's like, she's awkward and she's, uh, she's just so earnest too. I think that's what it is because there's so much about Tina Belcher. Like, I think in on TV, one and about all the Belcher the Belcher kids, excuse me, they're um a lot of the times when you get like an outcast character, especially a teen, they're like exceptionally smart and precocious, and the belchers are just like not. Yeah. (laughs) And I find that so charming (laughs) that they're just weirdos. And that's like how it is in life a lot. And they're they're just like they're weird kids and they have good hearts and they're they're but they're also like sneaky little brats at times and i just like i have uh, tina i think people just see so much of themselves in her because she's just so hopeful and comes from a place of pure awkwardness and not a place of like well she's weird but she's going to she's about to get hot when she grows right, up yeah. or like, she's weird but she's so smart she's just like weird and good
0: yeah, yeah, I know it's so true. Um, and and too, who we haven't talked about much yet, um, yeah. is like just in ways like the most bizarre kid character, a super
1: um, bizarre. He's kid. just
0: he's just constantly like making. He would be like a SoundCloud rapper or like a one of those kids who makes like SoundCloud memes. Um, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yes. And he's also just like his whole like like sexuality stuff is like very like weird and great. Yeah. And Bob just like never really questions it. Um, yeah. He's just kind of written as like probably gay.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, I would call, I would call that character probably gay and has like a, um, a really intense bond with his mother. Mm-hmm. And just like has, it's just like, a, and, and so when, when people talk about like the family guy, style of humor or i mean like it to me gene has like there's a lot of scatological stuff that comes from gene mm-hmm. um but it's like so earned and so in character where like he's just a 10-year-old boy that or 12-year-old boy that just like loves farts
0: <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah um there's that that episode where uh, gene sort of like pretends to be bob for a while yes which is very very good um because he he sort of does that a lot like he has these like he's very theatrical and will take Mm -hmm. on these different roles um but the one where he's just continually like dressing as bob and like trying to be serious and everything um it's
1: very good it's so funny and like i again like i think the sincerity is what makes it so joyful and not just a um and not just like Making fun of weird kids, right? Like the the writing makes them so endearing, and I think the performances are so genuine too. Like there, it's not like he's not Steve Urkel, right? Um, where it's like it's funny how weird he is, but he's like he's weird and he's funny.
0: Absolutely, I, I just realized that. <laughs> There may be people who aren't familiar with the premise of the show, so um, we've been digging into the stuff. But like you know, Bob's Burgers is about uh, a family who, um, like, well, Bob is a like a burger cook, a chef, Mm -hmm. and they and restaurateur, restaurateur. Uh, an entrepreneur and sort of like they work at this little place called Bob's Burgers and they live above it in this sort of like northeastern small town that is possibly like South Jersey. Uh, yeah, I
1: don't, I can't remember. I don't think they ever specify. I don't right? think they
0: ever say, but it does seem a lot like it would be around there.
1: Yes, and and it's even more vague than The Simpsons because in The Simpsons you always know like Springfield and Shelbyville, right. and Bob's Burgers is just like the edge of town. Or like yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like uh, which I think is lovely. And you get but you get like a sense of place. Like I would say, yeah, for sure, like Northeast suburb and Jersey feels right, but it could also be like um I mean it, it resembles a lot the town that I grew up in just outside Boston. Mm. You know, it just has that like there are seasons and yeah. uh <laughs> I don't know, it's hard but it's hard to pin down.
0: Yeah. And so like there's this you know, the, the show's sort of headquarters is, the, is Bob's Burgers. Um, and mm-hmm. the whole family works in the restaurant, including the kids, which is really interesting. Yeah. Like, Bob is sort of like, he trusts these kids with like the responsibilities of, of helping him out uh, in this, this restaurant, despite the fact that they're like pretty young. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, Louise, I think, is like eight or 10 yeah like very young, and they all so yeah, so it's Bob and his wife linda and and they bob owns they own this burger place that always seems like it's not doing great, like and I think the other- another thing about it too is that it's like one of the shows that the financial um unease is like always a part of it, yes, which is like not always you know it's not like a roseanne style blue collar like full-on um economic danger that they're always in but it's like they they're always making sure like that they have enough money to keep the restaurant open and they're always or they're often behind on rent to mr fish Odor, yeah who is their landlord who owns like the local pier and all and the amusement <laughs> park on the pier. Like it's such a, and the surrealness of the town kind of reminds me of like the adventures of Pete and Pete as mm-hmm, well. Yes. Where it's like, there are these like bizarre eccentric characters that are just taken as like, this is who lives here. And they have great nicknames, like regular, um, regular sized Randy. Gosh, I'm going to no, I'm screwing it up, <laughs> but regu- um, l- like endless Mike and stuff like that. And it's, uh, <laughs> So and, and the kids are always just, like, getting up to adventures to the slight chagrin of the adults. Yeah.
0: And actually, that's, like, a, that's sort of a recurring plot point is, like, Bob taking on extra work or Bob, yeah. like, working hard to provide for his family. Um, yeah. But, like, he's never really portrayed as the kind of dad who is, like, working so hard that he never sees his family. And that's partly because... Oftentimes like his workplace is with his family, but I kind of like that yeah. too because that's like a classic dad depiction on TV as well, is like the dad who is like always away. Um, but this is like a character who like is written as being like really hardworking and also like wanting to see his family.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's so he's so family oriented, like he only kind of has um friends. Right. Like Teddy loves him and considers them to be best friends. Teddy, who's the, his best customer at the, at the burger shop, the Bob's Burgers. And then there's that episode where he, he went to the grilling convention and was so excited to go there. And then everyone, when he got there, everyone thought he was a jerk from his web presence. (laughs) And so like, he doesn't always do well with adults, um, except for Linda, And he's like so family oriented, and he's but he's always working hard. Like it's it's also a recurring plot point. Like, do we have enough money to get good presents for Christmas? Yes, yeah. Um, and, And like, but he like gets really into family holidays. Like he the Thanksgiving episode every year. The premise is always just like. How psyched Bob is to put on Thanksgiving, (laughs) which is so sweet and so funny that he's always stymied. And the Thanksgiving, I don't know if you saw the Thanksgiving episode this year. It's like the only episode of the entire series that I would describe as unsettlingly dark. No, I didn't see it. Where I don't want to give away too much, but it reveals like Teddy had a really sad childhood and is a hoarder. Like both of those things are true and are revealed in this episode in ways that are like really, um, uh, it's not for laughs. Mm. And, and, um, but yeah, I mean, Bob is like, so, so, so much of his life is dedicated to providing for his children and then like doing fun things that relate to his like weird passions and interests. Most of which are like making burgers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love the Thanksgiving episode from, season four turkey in a can where the whole plot revolves around there being some kind of turkey saboteur that oh, yeah. continually drops the the turkey that bob is brining uh in the toilet yep and there's a there's a, so many great throwaway lines uh in that episode like when bob just keeps going back to the butcher and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Butcher thinks Bob is just hitting on him because he just keeps coming back to get more turkeys yep. uh and uh <laughs> there's like <clears throat> the line where Bob is like like uh like I, I, the whole course of the episode is like the butcher's like like I have a boyfriend but I have a friend who's in a sloppy bears um and then like eventually he just keeps being like, oh you know what uh things aren't going well Tony like maybe I should go on a date with you do you want where do you want to go and Bob's like, well Wait, no, I'm straight. I, I mean, well, like, mostly straight, which is, like, never <laughs> mentioned. But uh, it turns out that the the reason that the turkeys are ending up in the toilet is that Bob is sleepwalking and calling right. the turkey right, right, right. Tina and trying to potty train it. Because he's taking these cat allergy pills and his anxieties are a retina growing up so quickly and showed up as him like taking these turkeys in his sleep and trying to relive uh, potty training Tina.
1: It's, I mean, it's so great. And there, and that's like, it's so layered and, and the motivations they have are like so good. And I think like that is, I I didn't realize that the executive producer was someone who had executive produced King of the Hill. Cause like, I, I think the, to me, the deepest Bob and Hank Hill similarity is like, they love their family and want to provide for their family, but also take so much joy in their job and the like, um, and the ancillary goings on of like things related to their job. Like Hank takes a lot of pride in selling propane, but he also just likes propane. (laughs) And Bob (laughs) is like a burger. He, he likes, he loves his job. He loves like running a restaurant, but he also just like gets psyched to cook for people. And I think that's so, it's so nice that there's that you're like seeing this character who is always kind of getting fulfillment, even though it's complicated and financially tenuous. Um it's not like a workplace comedy where everyone hates their job or like the person who likes it is a goober. Um and, and I think I I those are just stories I'm really interested in mm. uh lately, especially, where I just like Want to see people who aren't miserable at what they do all the time. Yeah. Which is like the joy of starting in season two, the joy of like Leslie Nope in um, Parks and Recreation yeah. is that she, it goes from her being kind of like a fumbling, uh, ambitious municipal employee to like a hyper competent glue that holds the whole city together who's underappreciated city employee with like other people who have passions and interests too that they're pursuing
0: yes yeah and bob like bob's love of his his job comes out in so many ways um like the most obvious i think is all of the themed burgers with the pun names in like every episode like this episode like every episode of the show has so many great Terrible puns like, yeah, from the just beginning of each show, where there's the storefront next to them that always has like a different name because it's just constantly going out of business, Um, and the
1: pest control truck that always has a different name. Uh,
0: and then the names of the burgers, so like if looks could kale, uh, new baconings, uh, and uh, that actually like it goes back to they sort of explain the origins of that in one episode, um the episode uh, uh, where Bob basically goes to his father's holiday party or birthday party, I forget. Like, they they talk about how, you know, as a kid, he was always, like, very creative, Mm -hmm. uh, was like, there's a a moment where he was working in his dad's diner and made this, this chive burger for a regular who always ordered a tuna melt and his father threw it out before the regular could even taste it and so bob just like really despises his dad yeah. and uh, and then you know his father for bob's birthday is like hey i'm gonna change the name to bob and son um and bob's just like i don't want to work with you and yeah. he goes off and starts his own business and then that whole episode is sort of about them reconciling and like like to a degree and you know, Bob's dad admitting that he's really hard to work with, but it it sort of turns out that he was always really proud of him and like followed his success and everything.
1: Yeah. I think it's so great. And right. Those relationships are also rich and textured and like not really, the relationships are not caricatures, even when the characters are really big and silly, like Bob's um, Bob's, kind of resentment of big Bob and then like his kind of like his relationship to Linda is so funny too, because it would be so easy because she's so kooky Mm -hmm. and it would be so easy for him to be kind of like an Al Bundy grump all the time about her. But like one thing I always find really charming is like Linda making these grand plans, like for a date night or for a, a vacation. And then Bob kind of like, agreeing to do it out of duty and then, like, coming around to really enjoying it or, like, Linda doesn't like it and then they bond <laughs> over that. It's, like, it's always, th- it, it, it just is, like, it really warms my heart. I'm, it's, I j- it's just such a, it's a thing that I just need so much as the show.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Bob's squeaky voice that he uses, like, when he's talking to... Oh, yeah to like an intimate object
1: yeah <laughs> it's like yeah 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 oh, burger you're so cute
0: thanks Bob. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like he's just it just all rings so true like that's how people are mm-hmm. and it's 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 just the best like he's so he's so grumpy and but so silly and like the kids are so mean to him to his face <laughs> <laughs> and he just kind of takes it and it like uh like they they're always making fun of like his his hair and his mustache and like his old dirty t-shirts and stuff it's so funny and he's just like
0: (laughs) yeah and um that that kind of brings me to john benjamin's uh you know his casting as bob and i will say that i started watching bob's burgers after having watched archer and that was a very strange transition to make because they are completely different characters and if you jump yeah. from one to the other it's kind of jarring in like it's the same voice john benjamin is like not really doing a different voice it's just his voice and yeah, like he has he just has that... the one voice it's a very good voice um it's great but he just has the one and like an archer he's playing this like asshole playboy just like almost sociopath and um yep. who actually later does become a dad but uh and then in bob's burgers he's playing almost the exact opposite character yeah, and it's kind of super funny wholesome yeah it's funny uh there was actually a a crossover that they did because mm-hmm. uh, archer disappears at the end of one season i think after his fiance is killed and uh he basically has assumed the identity of bob and you get to see all the characters animated <laughs> in the archer style um and so Bob good. is just, like, gone somehow, and, and Archer's just been, like, living as Bob Belcher, which is really great.
1: It's the best. Uh, and, and then I think on one end of the John Benjamin spectrum of voices is Bob, right, of characters, and then on the other end is Archer, and then somewhere in the middle is Coach Begurk from yes, the movies. Yes, who's, definitely. Who's almost, he has some playboy elements to him. Like, he's kind of an uncouth bachelor, and... Uh, And, but he's also like very, uh, good with kids and is always like dispensing useful advice.
0: And where does the can of mixed vegetables from Wet Hot American Summer fit?
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a great question. I think it might even be past Archer. It's possible. Yeah. Cause he's in the second season, he's just like, he has sex with that waitress in the back of the (laughs) diner, like as a can and, uh. I don't, you you know what? I think it's, it's, um, between, between Archer and McGurk because he comes back. Right. And missed, he missed, um, Beth so much,
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: but yeah, it's so, (laughs) I mean, he's so good. He's incredible.
0: He's a very good voice. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting that he can play those very opposite roles, um, with the same voice. Like it, I think speaks to his ability as an actor.
1: Definitely. Because like, it would be so easy to get people that sound so different, right? Like it would be easy to get someone who sounds like James Bond to play Archer. And it'd be easy to get someone who sounds like, um, like a Peter Griffin or a Homer Simpson to, you know, kind of like a loud, boisterous voice with, with some kind of accent, you know, like a, a Peter Griffin, New England accent to play Bob. But it's like that he's able to do both with a totally distinctive uh delivery is so great
0: yeah absolutely are yeah, there any particular episodes or moments that we haven't touched on that that you really love
1: oh my gosh um i think maybe my favorite joke maybe not the one i laughed at the most but the one i remember the most frequently it's a teddy line from the episode it's two, there's actually two jokes from this episode that like that are two of my favorites in the whole series it's the episode where the biker gang comes to town yes yeah and uh and there was there they the leader of the biker gang died in a biking accident and they i forget whether they said it out loud or whether it was on the banner at the memorial but his name was horny dave (laughs) And and the thing that they said about him was, Horny Dave, God gave him a halo because he wouldn't wear a helmet. (laughs) Which is so funny. And then the other one was, um, was Teddy was talking about how fearsome the biker gang was. And he said something like, and also, Larry Murphy's performance as Teddy is so funny. Oh, it's very good. Um, He's so great. And he says, uh, I can't do the voice well enough, but he goes, uh, they threw a they threw a snow cone at my windshield. I thought I drove into a rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me laugh so hard the first time I watched
0: it. Very good.
1: But that's, I think that's maybe my favorite episode. And that, the, the Bronies one is so good too.
0: The Bronies episode is, is incredible. I also love the, the episode where uh, Tina has to go get her legs waxed and mm-hmm. um, Bob takes her and does it with her so that she won't be scared. Yeah. And then Gene also goes.
1: <laughs> There's so, and then, I mean, Darhard the Musical is so great. Oh, There God. are just so many, so funny episodes. And like all the cast of like ancillary characters are all wonderful too. Like Andy Kindler as Mort the Mortician and Billy Eichner as the um, librarian, like totally frazzled librarian. And um I'm trying to think of who else is like a guest. Role free. And Kurt, Kurt Brownholler playing mm-hmm. um, Logan, the like local kid who's Louise's nemesis. Uh, it's so great. It's just like that cast, of, and then Kevin Klein as um, as Mr. Fishout the landlord, and Zach Galifianakis as his brother Felix. Um, it's really great. And like other thing, like the just the class stuff is always so apparent. Like Bob getting paid to um cook at like they're always doing like cartoon rich guy stuff like Bob getting paid to cook at their high stakes gambling night mm-hmm. um which i think was also a thanksgiving episode uh and then the one where Felix and uh and Mr. Fishouter take turns hunting each other <laughs> which is from the season like it's just it's like the right amount of whimsical where it's um where it's exaggerated and wild but not but there's like the heart is so forward in it, and uh, I'm sorry to keep coming back to hammering the same themes over and over again, but it's just like the my I really love it, and the, the writing is so good, too. I think like we kind of touched on it, but the the way that it's written, we've talked a lot about the performances, which are so wonderful, but just like the density of jokes is so great, and the and, and how well they've the characters have emerged. And like everything Gene says is so funny by this point in the series. And like everything Tina says is so funny because you know the character well enough that the point of view makes sense, even when they're saying stuff that's like in season one, you might have been like, that's too much. I don't understand this character.
0: (laughs) Very good, warm, wacky show. And I really recommend it.
1: Yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's like, it, it, I think they won the Emmy for Best Animated Show last year. Um, but to me, it's like still somehow underrated. And I don't, I don't know why I feel that. But I just, I guess I just feel like everyone should be talking about it all the time.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, is there anything else you want to add before we close things up?
1: No, that's, I think I, I got it all off my chest.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And is thank there you for me. is there anything you would like to let our listeners know about before we go?
1: Oh gosh. Um when does this come out? The, this the comes out on uh on
0: Sunday the 14th of January.
1: Oh, perfect. Okay. So, on the 27th, uh January 27th, which is Saturday night, I'm doing a show at the Bell House in Brooklyn. And uh, it's kind of the last, I've been on the road a bunch and kind of the last show of this tour that I've been doing as kind of like a, all right, I'm home now. And <laughs> there will be great special guests, um, that I can't announce, uh, because I haven't booked them yet, <laughs> but <laughs> it'll, it'll be really fun. And I would love for people to come to that. And if you're interested in, in hearing what my stand-up is like, but can't make it, I would, uh, encourage you to listen to my most recent stand-up album uh, physical whisper which you can listen to wherever things stream or download from itunes or wherever
0: it's so good it's such a good album i love it so much um yeah you should definitely all go uh download or buy or uh, stream josh's album because it's very very funny thank you you're so welcome uh thank you again for for coming on and uh, oh my pleasure yeah and uh, i will talk to you later talk to you later bye kiddos Dad Feelings is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Dad Feelings is a part of Stay Me, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener supported.
1: If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Me at dadfeelings.com slash support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz, off their album Coiled Gear. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuis for letting us use it. Please mention us on Twitter, we're at DadFeeling and at Co. or rate and review us on iTunes, we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.